let me just tell you a little bit about me so you know why I'm here and why would I do what I do. I live just north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I have eight children and six grandchildren. And in 1995, I was a patient in a mental hospital. So welcome to so that's my story, and I hope you won't think I'm too flip about mental illness, but if you do, I would say that's my story, and that's how I share it, and that's the story that brings me to you today. So welcome, friends, to Consider Yourself Hugged, episode 38. Today's hug, Bounce Back Ability, with special guest Sarah Steele. I am Dr. Tammy West, here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. I have a very special guest today, international speaker and author, Sarah Steele. Sarah and I met in 2009, I think. We forgot to really uh, sync that up, make sure it was right. When we spent two weeks together traveling and speaking across England, Scotland, and Wales. And as you will hear in her voice, or maybe you already know if you watched my teaser, she is from England, so you will love listening to her. Um, a little bit about her professional life. Sarah has worked globally as a facilitator and a keynote speaker and has been lucky enough to work with clients such as L'Oreal and Geico, John Hopkins, NASA, MIT, um, and also some awesome faith-based organizations and nonprofits. And her passions, which are why I asked her to be on the show, center around managing self and the power of intentionality when deciding how to respond to tough situations. And you are really going to hear this from her today. We've stayed in touch off and on over the years. And recently, I learned something I didn't know much about while we were traveling together. At 20 years old, Sarah was involved in a car accident that still affects her today. You are about to hear the powerful lessons she has learned through that experience. So without further ado, I give you Sarah Steele. Sarah, I, I read your bio. Everybody's heard your bio. They know how we met. But one of the things, so you and I chatted the other day and you reminded me that you had something to happen to you years ago that has affected you sort of on a daily basis and most people don't know. So the show's about mental and emotional well-being, how to get through life, how to think differently and, and react differently. And I felt like your story, just the little bit that you shared with me, would be really helpful. So you know, tell us like what happened to you years ago that I barely knew about. <laughs> sure. So, you know, a million years ago, back in 1991, so I was 20 years old. Um, I was, I know, traveling home one night, uh, I'd left work late, uh, traveling home. It was about 10 o'clock in the evening and on a 30 mile an hour road and going along minding my own business and somebody coming in the opposite direction doing 90 miles an hour in a 30 mile zone, um, lost control of his car and span and hit me head on. Uh, so you know, I'm doing 30, he's doing 90. So head on, that's 120 miles an hour between us. Um, and then, so of course that was, a you know, I didn't make it home that night. Um, so that was, and then I was taken off to the hospital and, I think I went home about three months later. I finally made it home. You know, um, I had to go back to live with mum and dad. And so I was, but I, it really helped me in the managing mindset perspective because it, you know, he hit me, he hit me head on. Um, other people in cars got out and came to me. He, he got out and ran his car was, I mean, great Testament, the car he was driving Ford Mondeo. Right. So 
wow. he actually was able to get out of his car and run. And you, you may, you may be going to say this later, but I mean, was there, was there drugs or alcohol? Was he, was he running because of No, a, okay. he, I, I don't think so. I think he was just running. He was, he was running because from memory, I think he, he'd lost his license and had only recently got it back. Mm. Um, and he said that he was driving the car cause he just fitted a new clutch for a friend and he was testing the clutch. Um, it wasn't his car, it was his friend's car. And, you know, he was known to the police apparently. So I think he just, you know, got out and ran. Um, so no, there was no drugs. As far as I know, no drugs or alcohol. He just, it was, it was 10 o'clock at night. And the following day we had massive snowstorms that year. So it was like a bitterly cold roads were a little bit icy. He's doing 90 in a 30 zone, tried to overtake a car. Mm. And lost it lost control and ended up on my side of the road and the first I knew of it was I remember seeing his headlights hit the grass on my side of the road and I remember thinking this is gonna hurt and you had you had the time to see so the only thing I remember yeah it was like they shouldn't be there this is gonna hurt and I to this day oh, I remember man. that thought process because it all happens in a you know, a, a split second, right? So, um, and then lo and behold, he did. But I was, thankfully, everyone got out their cars and came to me. The fire station was just up the road and somebody physically ran to the fire station, um, oh from what I understand. So the fire brigade were the first on scene. So they started with the cutting me out um, and then the police. And then, uh, and then the ambulance came to take me away. So it was perfect from an order of every speed that everyone was going to arrive in. And I remember one of the people who came to me was an off-duty fireman. Um, and he, I was, it was freezing cold. At this point, my car's got no windows in it, right? So you, you, are, you were awake through all of this? I was conscious through the whole <laughs> thing, yes. Were you in pain or was it one of those things well, where you were in shock? No, I was. And the <sighs> thing that, I think this is one of the reasons that I managed it so well emotionally the pain because the whole of the steering wheel came in to me. Um, so they literally had to cut the roof off and cut steering wheels off and everything to get me out. And as everything came forward, obviously everything was crushed. And I remember the pain in the base of my, of my back. I just remember the pain at the base of my spine, right? At the base of my back, it was just this awful, awful pain. And having watched too many movies, <laughs> Oh my goodness, I'm paralyzed. Okay. I was going to ask you if that's what you thought. Yes, right. Oh my goodness, that's it. But, and as much as I couldn't really move my legs because of the front of the car was crushed in and didn't have room, I managed to just wiggle my toes and move my knees. Like on purpose? Did yes. You okay. Yeah, okay. I was testing yeah. to see, can mm-hmm. I move my legs? Mm-hmm. And I'd asked to hold the hand of someone when they were cutting the roof off of the car. I had said, can someone please hold my hand? To this day, if I'm in a turbulent plane or something's going on, all I want to do is hold someone's hand. Well, when we worked together, you never wanted to hold my hand. So I guess that meant we were safe (laughs) the whole time we were together. That's because things were so smooth sailing when we worked together, right? I got Tammy as my cohort. Of course, everything's smooth sailing. We were good. Um, So, and I said, I remember saying to the fireman that was holding my hand, oh my goodness, I'm so lucky. My legs still work. And you really had a lot of like, like, um, 
with itness, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but you, and, and to remember for this long, how you process that, I mean, you've already told me and you're about to tell them how this has affected your life, but those memories, um, I'm kind of shocked that that stayed with you for this long. Those yeah, well, details. Yeah. And I think it was just, I mean, I'm sure there was tons of other stuff going on that I was completely unaware of. Um, but there are certain things I remember thinking this is going to hurt. I remember thinking, oh my goodness, my legs work. I'm not paralyzed. Um, and the other thing I remember is that when they actually lifted me up and out of the car and put me on the stretcher, because they obviously had to lift me up for the first time, I could see everything that was going on around me. And I could see the police having cut off the road all the traffic, all the lights. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, all this for me, right? So I know it's like, oh my God, I'm making such a fuss, right? There's such a fuss being made, right? So, but what I didn't realize was that the emergency services have a protocol that they call in when there's a death. And what I didn't realize until afterwards, they told me they called that protocol in before they even reached the car. Wow. They were absolutely convinced there's no way someone's walking out of here. And then they had to cancel it when they, I'm sitting in the car and I'm awake and conscious. So and they, they were in a rush, they told me afterwards as well. Um, I found all this out from the policeman um, who was there because he had to come and get statements from me and everything in the hospital. And so he was kind of a captive audience. I was asking him all about it. And, uh, and he said, you know, we, we were getting you out because you were going, we could see you were going into shock. So we just wanted to get you out and get you warm. And that off-duty fireman... I always remember to this day, he put a big leather jacket over me. Um, and I remember I was bleeding from the head down because all the glass came in from the car. So there's, and I remember saying to him, no, don't do that. You'll get blood on your jacket. Oh my gosh. And him saying to me, don't worry about that. <laughs> you know, just the silliest little things no. you remember, right? When you're you're a miracle. You oh, are I don't know about that. There was a miracle well, going on, that's for sure. So well, that's what I mean. Your, yeah, your presence... And you know, yeah. one thing that, that strikes me too, that doesn't really have anything to do with this at all, but if this had happened, like all the things you're talking about are memories that you stored, you have no, like you have nothing documented, but if that happened today, <clears throat> everybody would have had their phones out. Oh yeah. True. That's and you would have really, but you have, you have all of this just like in your mind. <clears throat> Everything. Yeah. And I think it's because it's those few key moments, you know, and I'm sure there was, as I said, there was a ton of stuff going on that didn't stick in my mind, but through the whole thing, there are just a few key moments that are really, really stuck with me. You know, the next one in the hospital was probably people say to me, what's this, you know, you're asked occasionally, what's the scariest thing you've ever done. Mm -hmm. yeah, and for me, it's still learning. Cause I had to be taught to walk again. I, we didn't, although my legs worked. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, tell us then about that because you said it was three months. So what what were the injuries? How did you? Yeah, well, I so the biggest injury at the time that they thought they took me into surgery that night about two in the morning um, <laughs> for fixing my arms. Right, my right arm still doesn't straighten completely. You wouldn't know it unless you know it, um, and some and some other stuff. But they tested my legs and laying down on the stretcher, my legs worked just fine. So it wasn't until they got me up the next morning that I asked to use the restroom and they said, okay, we'll put you in a wheelchair and wheel you down there. And, um, I, they stood me up and I just fell to the floor. But they didn't know until that moment. They didn't, no one knew until that moment because my legs worked. Right. So I had all the reflexes. I could wiggle my toes. I could move my legs. 
And they kind of, the nurse, I remember the two nurses kind of looking at me <laughs> and I, that was the last thing I needed. My arms, I just come out of surgery, that hurt that time. And they, so they called the surgeon back and the doctor back and then they started on the what's, you know, what's wrong with the legs. But it was the, the scariest thing was being taught to walk downstairs because they teach you to walk by, first off you start to walk, then you learn to go upstairs. And then what she would do is she would walk me upstairs, the physio in the hospital, and take me along to the elevator to take me back down. And then one day she said to me, okay, turn around. Oh no. We're going to go down. So now I can see, you know how they say, don't look down? Yes. Right. But not only that, my right arm is in plaster from shoulder to knuckle. And I've got a crutch in my one good arm. So I've got nothing to hold on with. And all I could think was, if I fall, this is going to hurt. You had that thought a lot. <laughs> I did, I did. And of course, the physios weren't going to let me fall, right? But it, but it still felt that way. It still felt that way. It was that, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm not ready. And they were like, that I was like, I'm not ready. And they were like, yep, yep, you are. It's time. You know, whether you like it or not, you're, you're doing this. And that was still one of the hardest things for a long time. I, a lot, I would just, at my mum's, I would just sit on the stairs and go down on my tushy, you know, rather than walk down them. Um, so, yeah, so those are, you know, that's still today when people say to me, what's the scariest thing you've done? That's still it. That's still it. Standing at the top of those stairs, looking down with nothing to hold on with. You think, and, and the thought... <laughs> If I fall, this is going to hurt. You know, this is going to sound stupid, but just yesterday I was, uh, well, I was in Philly this past week. And when I got to the airport and my granddaughter was with me, but we had four bags and I said, we are not going down the escalator because so I, I what I don't have obviously that experience, but for me to have like two bags and to get on a down escalator, <laughs> No, I mean, I, the terror that fills me as to not being able to hold on and balance myself and go down uh -huh. like that and miss a step. So I can't imagine. <laughs> so when you say that is the scariest experience of your life, that does not shock me at all. That sounds absolutely terrifying. Yeah, to me, it seems really stupid. No, it is not the one stupid. that sticks with me, you know? No, I am feeling your terror. I'm like, oh, that poor woman. So was that, so the three months was, was trying to rehabilitate you? It was, and it wasn't all in hospital. I had to move back to my mum's. Um, thankfully I had my mum. She had a downstairs toilet and I, Thank to be God. honest, I slept, I slept on the sofa, mm -hmm. um, for a few nights, for a fair few while before I felt I could make it upstairs and then downstairs again. The doctors wouldn't let me leave the hospital until I could spend the night in the bed. Um, because I, it was just agony just being in the bed. I would sleep in one of those tall chairs with lots and lots of pillows on my lap, like, you know, my head resting on my hands. So, and they said, we can't let you home till you can spend the night in the hospital. And I will admit, I, there was one day I'd had enough and I saved up my sleeping, my, my pain kills and I took them towards the end of the day. And I think I got into bed at gone 11 and I got out of it before 5 a.m. But technically I'd spent the night in the bed. Um, cause it was thick snow cause that snowstorm came. My poor mom, I was nowhere near my poor mom had like an hour and a half drive each way in good weather every single day to come and see me. Really? I was just taken to the nearest hospital. Right. So, um, 
and I so people couldn't get to see me. I was going, I was bored out of my brain. Okay? Um, and so I was just like, I just want to get out of here. That was my next big thing. I just want out. Yes, so yes. when I left the hospital, I went home to mum's and I gave myself the goal that when I could open a can of food, I could go back home. <laughs> that is an interesting goal. That was my goal. It's like, I've got to be able to feed myself. Right. So I've got to, cause you know, my arm was in plaster and had been That's cut right. through. It was the elbow that he had to fix. And I had a lot of physio getting those arms working. And I, thankfully my apartment was on the ground floor. Mm. So I didn't have to worry about stairs once I made it back home. Um, and uh, so I, I did that. So about three months, but the other interesting thing I did not to allow myself to be paralyzed by fear I did not get back in a car behind the wheel until the morning that I had went back to work as a choice. Is that yes. what you said? As a choice. I, because I knew if I got back in that car as a practice and I froze and I freaked out that I would let the fear get the better of me. And I wasn't going to let it, it dictate my life. So I purposely, my dad bought me a new car. I never got in it. And I purposefully did not step inside behind the wheel of that car until the morning I had to go back to work. I was still living with mum and dad at the time. Um, but, it's, you know, um, but I was well enough that I could, I could drive to work. And so that was another conscious decision I made not to let myself be paralyzed by fear. It was because I was like, this could happen. What can I do to avoid that? So, and I know in a minute you're going to talk, you know, you're going to talk about this this word that you sent to me that I really like and just, you know, how you got through this moving forward and what you learned. But the thing that I'm hearing already is um, all the choices that you made during this process that the goals, the, like you're setting goals and you're making choices and, and you're also like looking ahead to what's the best way to approach this concept of driving and how can I get, if I have to do this out of the hospital, I'll do this with the pain pills. I'll make sure I do this. I'll do the can of food. And, and I'm sure that's not because you um, necessarily were listening, or, or maybe you were, but I feel like it was more of a internal thing rather than somebody telling you had to do it. You oh, just yeah. It was stubbornness. Right? stubbornness. <laughs> it was just, I am not going to let this dictate, you know, and, and if I knew then what I know now, I, there was a really good chance I would have just gone down into a pit of despair, you know? Um, but in those moments, it was just the next thing and the next thing. I mean, the reality was I was 20. I couldn't go to the mall with my girlfriends on a Saturday for years, just because I couldn't walk that far. Yeah. Grocery shopping had to be done by the aisles. I couldn't, that was a huge goal of mine. I remember I set myself was to be able to go around every aisle of the grocery store. Because that, I just physically couldn't walk that far. I would have to do frozen foods one day, you know, produce the next day, household items another day, you know. So if I knew then in the, in the moments that I was making those decisions, you're not going to be able to go to the mall with your girlfriends for years. You're not going to be able to walk that far. You'll have days when you struggle to walk for the rest of your life. And I, and I still do now, occasionally. I think I would have frozen and freaked and gone down into... A, you know, a despairing pit of doom and gloom, but I've just focused and I still do it now. A girlfriend said to me actually a couple of years ago when I had crazy, crazy travel schedule. It's one of those months when I was doing 19 flights a month. And I remember she phoned me 
towards the end of a week to say, hey, I know you've got a really crazy week. I'm just checking in. And I said, thanks, honey. I'm just focused on getting to the next hotel and getting sleep. And she said to me, you're really, really good at compartmentalizing. And I said, really? I never really thought about that. She said, yeah, you just focus on the next thing and the next thing. And when she said it, I started to think about it. And I was like, yeah, I think she's right. And whether I learned to hit with the accident or whether I was already good at it and that was why I cope with the accident. But I do find that sometimes when life feels like it's getting too much, just to focus on just the next thing can be a really great strategy for getting, you know, it doesn't mean I haven't got the other stuff coming, but right now I'm just going to focus on the next thing on the list. I feel like your grocery store, um, analogy or not really analogy it was a real thing but it could be a great analogy right for mm -hmm. the next aisle <laughs> the next aisle yeah <laughs> one aisle at a time because yep. until, until just this moment you I'm not sure that we've said anything um or listeners didn't know that this still affects you now and that's like the yeah. really important thing. So you gave me this word. Do you mind if I say the word that you said? No, go for it. So yeah, tell us what you said, bounce back ability. Um, yes. And I hadn't heard it worded because you've been through a lot and it's been a long time ago and it still stays with you. So what is bounce back ability? Yeah, bounce back ability is something I talk about. And it's just for me, it's that ability that, you know what, life happens. And for some people, it can be a huge car crash. For others, it could just be having a bad call with a client and it affects the whole day. It's not about the bad stuff not happening. It's about how quickly you're able to manage yourself to bounce back, right? It's just that, what is your bounce back ability? Um, are you holding on to those bad five minutes or for all day and making it a bad day? When in reality, it was just a bad five minutes or are you able to do what you need to do and just bounce back? And I'm not saying you can bounce back to where you were, the level that you were at before the bad call with the client, but can I bounce back up at least from the depths of, oh my goodness, that was terrible. You know, the client's not going to like me. My boss is going to sack me all because I had one bad call. Yeah. My life is over. I might as well yeah. die. I'm going to be living in a box under a bridge, <laughs> you know, and all of that good stuff. And so it's just that, that bounce back ability. How quickly are you able just to compartmentalize, see it for what it is? And then really be honest with yourself about, okay, that was just one bad call. And to be, you know, have that self-compassion that yes. we need to have for ourselves. Well, how do you, do you, do you think you already had that tendency? Because I feel based on what you said, like you did, did you already have that tendency before Maybe. the accident? You were 20. Yeah, I was 20, right? You think you're all grown up and it's not until you're in your almost fifties that you look back and you go, I was a baby. Right. Um, yes, I know. Yeah. And no, I think, I think I probably did be thinking about it. I've never been, I've never been asked that question before. Um, so I'm not sure, but I think I probably did have it. I think it was probably cemented with the accident. I think I probably, but back then I wasn't doing what you and me are doing now. I didn't have necessarily the awareness of self-management. I don't think I necessarily had those skills consciously, consciously when I had the accident because mm -hmm. I wasn't doing what you and me do now. Right. I, I didn't have, I hadn't been through all the trainings. I, you know, I didn't have the emotional intelligence and the awareness. I was 20 and I was in corporate, you know, so I think I, I probably did have it. Um, but I think it was probably more cemented through the accident because I think that taught me 
if I'm if I look back on it, I think that probably taught me how to take just one step at a time. Literally, there you go. There's your analogy, and I never really thought about that before, right? For you, it literally was one step. Literally one step at a time. Yeah, at a time. Well, and I and I looked when I read your bio. I, there were two words in there that spoke to me about this whole thing, and those were intentionality is a word that you used, and you used the word um, deciding, which are two choices. So you had to be, I'm guessing, very in, intentional as you went through that process and even today because you still deal with pain and you still deal with these struggles. So mm -hmm. what do you say to people who maybe had that bad phone call or they had this terrible, I mean, because it's the spectrum, everything from having this almost deadly crash to, oh, I just had the bad phone call. Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you find ways to be intentional and to decide how you're going to respond to that? Are there some yeah. in the moment? Do you, how do you do that? For me? Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, and I had it just on Friday. I had a really bad phone call. I had one of those really horrible phone calls on Friday. Right. What did so, they mean to you? Sorry. With, was a person rude to you? Um, <laughs> do, do you want to go that up for me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had, I just had one of those horrible phone calls and, but I had a long to-do list. So my instinct being a type A personality was I'm not going to let this get me off track. I've still got my to-do list. I'm still going to work down everything. And I started to literally work on the next thing. And thankfully I, I caught myself because I still felt, ugh, right. I still felt horrible. Uh, yes. And I was like, you know what, Sarah, even if you carry on with the to-do list, you're not going to do it to the best of your ability in this mindset. So I gave myself permission just to take 10 minutes out. And I stepped away from the desk. I went and found the chocolate, right? The, yes. the, the emergency supply of chocolate. Yes. I made myself a good cup of tea. Yes. If you're English, that's what you do. You're right? English, right. I made myself a good cup of tea and chocolate. And I just sat on the sofa, but I just gave myself 10 minutes just to decompress and to talk to myself. Right. So you, Sarah, it was just one bad phone call. You, you know this, it was yucky, but it was just one bad phone call. Um, you can't let it affect the rest of your day. Keep it in perspective, right? It's not the end of the world. Um, everything's going to be okay. This just feels horrible. And that's all it is. It's just a feeling right now, right? So I go back and I, the other thing I did consciously was the next thing I, I did was not the hardest thing on the list. It was the easiest thing on the list. I consciously chose what can I do that's not too difficult right now while I get my mojo back. So you did a... Uh if I can use this analogy or you didn't going up the stairs activity first before you did the going down the stairs. Yes, activity. exactly. I did. Definitely. So um, I, I find myself numbering these in my mind. So before I forget, tell me, cause this, I don't even know if you meant to do this. You're just so good that you just, you just did it was first you, after when you found yourself, cause we do that, we're just like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna let this bother me. I'm going to go on. But that, anger, whatever's in there. So number one is you stopped. Number two, you gave yourself 10 minutes. Number three, you got something special to you. Mm -hmm. made you feel happy, which was the chocolate. And then you talked to yourself and yeah. then you moved on to the next task, but you worked your way back up until you got to where you wanted to be. Yeah, exactly. And it's almost giving yourself a break, right? It's like that. And that's one thing I've, that the accident definitely taught me is being able to recognize what I can and what I cannot do. Why do you think people don't, because 
we don't want everybody to have to go through a devastating thing like that in order to be able to take moments and like you said the self-compassion and giving yourself a moment and a break and why do you think people have a hard time doing that like, I think sometimes it's like a sign of, they feel like it's a sign of weakness. I can't, ex I can't admit that this has upset me this much. Um, oh or, yeah. You know, I'm strong. I'll just um, move yeah. on. I'm not going to let this bother me. Um, some of it could just be stubbornness, you know, and some people it's just easier, I think, to plow on and to sit and have the conversation and to look inwards and go, what's going on with me and having that honest conversation with yourself and to admit that you're upset in the first place. Um, so I think sometimes, I, th I think it could be any of those. Um, and it's, especially if we're in corporate, you know, it's, it's to take that 10 minutes, you can sometimes feel like people watching you, you know, but just, I always say, just go to the vending machine, get yourself <laughs> your favorite drink, you know, get a hot chocolate rather than a cup of coffee, you know, just something, get yourself a treat, just do what you need to do to give yourself just that little mini time out. You know? Because we're going to have those moments probably every single day uh, to some we're level. Humans, right. We're humans. We're not robots. Right. Yeah. So and we're going to have human emotions and human feelings and, and that's okay. It's how we handle them that matter. Oh, that is so it's good. How the coping strategies that we learn. And it's being intentional yeah. and it's making choices. Yeah. And it's doing that every day, every yeah. day. Taking that way at a time. And it's also accepting the reality of the situation. You know, we aren't, you know, having a positive framework, a mindset, is not about pretending there's nothing wrong. Oh, right? that's really it's, good too. It's so often we hear the word positivity and we think that's about going around, you know, pretending that everything's wonderful when it's not. But for me, the difference is that the negative person will sit in the problem. Woe is me. It's terrible. It's awful. The positive person will go, yeah, this is a problem. So what am I going to do about it? you know, and making those choices. And it's the baby steps. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, another thing I often tell people is I'm not trying to make, we're not trying to make it perfect. We're just trying to make it a little bit better mm -hmm. than it was yesterday. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't, the only complaint I have about our time today is that it's going to take me forever to go through this because you said so many things that I'm going <laughs> to want to put on like little quote cards. Um, Cause I, I really, Sarah, the advice was wonderful. What you went through and you, you took your story and that, that word intentional, everything you said, even though you weren't expecting a couple of the questions, it's part of who you are. And so I have to believe that when you're out there speaking to people that your advice is, even if you don't, you tell me you don't share your story so much in yeah. seminars, but the advice is so heartfelt. Whether yeah, that, the, the, the managing your emotions. And I'm a reframe queen. I'm telling you, I can spin anything to what could the positive of this be you know and people say to me about the accident you know what i've got all of my limbs and they work you know some days might be a struggle with my legs um thankfully not often these days because you learn to manage it you know you get to recognize the signs but i've got all my limbs and they work you know um and did i have down days yeah sure you know absolutely um i remember when he, the person who hit me, got his driving license back because he had an 18-month ban and a 500-pound fine that he was allowed to pay 10 pounds a week, right? So it took him a year to pay off, basically. And when he got his driving license back, he was, we were 18 months in from the accident. I was on a five-year recovery plan. So I wasn't even halfway through my recovery plan. 
and he's got his license back and his life is back to normal. And I remember I had anger and why me? And that, that was when it all really came out. And I had it for maybe about two weeks. And then I caught myself and I was like, this isn't going to help, right? This isn't going to, it's not going to help anything. So I just had to talk myself through that reframe and reset myself. Um, And the other thing I did, the car, when I, about three months after I started driving, on my way home from work one night, I just had this sense of, I don't want to be behind the wheel. I'm scared. What if someone hits me? And I just wanted to pull over and phone my dad to come and get me. Yeah. But again, I knew if I did that, I, I would struggle to get back behind the wheel of a car. And I made myself plow. Now, I drove really slow and I drove on the back road so I could stop if I had to. But I made myself carry on. And then that lasted maybe a week. And then it just went. I just didn't, I just didn't give in to something that I knew wasn't helpful for me. And I just talked myself through it. Again, at the time, I don't think I realized what I was doing. Now I look back and I can realize what I was doing. You can see the power of your choices because the, the, the road could have taken you down the hole, especially when you just said about, about you being on the five-year plan and then him being, you know, 18 months. Yep. That's not fair. fair. <laughs> oh yeah. That was the big one. It's not fair. Oh yeah. <laughs> For a, a couple of weeks there, I, I did do the, the self-pity. It's not fair routine, you know, and it's at not the same very time, long. It is what it is, right? Two weeks is not very long, though. I mean, you know, I'm sure you know people are that it will sit in that for 20 years or their oh, whole yeah. lives, whatever. Absolutely. You know, and sometimes I like the other the other last month. I had a really bad week for the walking. I struggled to walk for a whole week, and I have to admit, I don't get times like that anymore very often. And you know, halfway through that week, I was I I and it happens. I do that it's not fair. And I get so frustrated because I want to exercise. I want to, and I just can't. And it's just the frustration. And again, I said, even to this day, I have to manage myself through times like that and say, you know what, this, it's, it's not going to be helpful. It's not going to put you in a better mindset. He, he doesn't care or know. Right. So, and so it's all down to you, Sarah. So I just, you know, I just have to manage myself through it. This too will pass. Do you know what you need to do? Take it easy. So you can't exercise for the week. So this is a week you're going to sit and read a book. Right. Um, It's just about how else can I see this? So, yeah. So I, you know, it still happens and I still have to talk myself through it. um, But I don't let myself wallow because it's not going to help. Well, you're, you're, tagline not tagline I don't know what the word I'm looking for is but the reframe queen I love so that's that's going in the in the blog show notes yeah. somewhere so well Sarah it's the reframe queen <laughs> it's great I love it well is there anything that that you haven't said that you wish that you could to people who are listening because mental emotional well-being and this has been perfect yeah it's I would just say if you're struggling break it down, you know, just focus on the next, the next thing, the next step. Don't let yourself think about the whole five-year recovery plan. Don't let yourself think about everything that you've got coming up. Yes, it's there. It's not going to change it, but focusing on it isn't going to help you. So focus on just the next thing, right? And then the next thing, and then the next thing. Um, Just one step at a time is, is my best piece of advice I can give anybody. Perfect. 
I love it. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'll be talking about your links and all those thank things why people can follow you. So we will be in touch. You're fabulous. Thank you. Thank you, Tammy. It was wonderful to talk with you and to see you again. Okay, bye. Bye. And that's our time for today. I'm pretty certain you learned something today about the power of choices in bouncing back, or in other words, my new favorite word, bounce back ability. Please pass the show link along to a friend or two, and I would love for you to subscribe, download, and review wherever you are listening, and head over to TammyWest.com if you would like to get information for me to speak at your next event, and there you will also find links to get in touch with Sarah and follow Sarah on social media. There will also be a special link to a download from the first chapter of her audiobook called Success Questions, so be sure to grab that. Um, I would love for you to follow me on Facebook, my primary social media home at facebook.com slash Tammy West Seminars. I am suspending the monthly giveaway just for a bit as I decide what to do next. Um, I'm going to do something different, I think, from the mug. But still, please leave a comment on the show notes. I'm sure Sarah would love to hear your thoughts. And thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and helping to grow our little Growing Bigger community. And finally, remembering our mental and emotional well-being goal, I hope that you will renew your thoughts daily, adopt empowering language that prevents verbal harm to yourself and to others, and make positive mental and emotional choices on a daily basis. And until next time, consider yourself hugged.